Welcome to Mind Training and Homotherapy, a podcast that explores ideas to help you live a life that is more purposeful, intentional, and fulfilled. I am your host, Dr. Henry Gregory, and I thank you for tuning in. Hello, folks. Welcome to today's podcast. I'd like to introduce to, to you uh, my producer, Mr. Daryl Taylor. Hello, family. He may be um, chiming in at any point with a comment or a question. And today I'd like to talk about a subject that can uh, be a little tense. I'd like to talk about fear. Yes, fear. I want to start with reading you a little piece. It's called On Fear. What is the fear that holds us back? What is the fear that shapes our responses to life? Are we afraid of dying or of living? Are we afraid of non-existence or of being? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow, what is the source of my anxiety, nervousness, timidity, longing? Are we afraid of failing or of succeeding? Are we afraid of being, being lost or of being found? There is a place in each of us that beckons. There is a voice that calls our names. There is a question awaiting its asking. There is an answer awaiting its discovery. Touch me, O Eternal One. Attune me to your holy presence. Allow the illusion of separation to pass, the delusion of unworthiness to subside. I am you and you are me, and we are all there is. The rest is but the distraction called fear. The rest is just a temporary rendering of a permanent condition. Fear. So fear is an emotion. An emotion that's induced by perceived danger or threat. And it causes physiological changes and ultimately behavior changes. Neurologically, there's a place in the brain where fear starts. It's called the amygdala. Uh, some people call it the um, reptilian brain. It's a older part of the human brain. And it's where uh, our responses, fight, flight, or freeze, live. It's where um, we get a signal that we need to attend to something. So fear in itself is not necessarily a bad thing because the megala would, would pick it up with an, as a signal that something is threatening us and we need to do something different. The problem is, when we're in a fear state all the time, it reshapes how we function. It reshapes how our brains function. Dan Siegel, the neuropsychiatrist, says, attention determines brain structure. So if we're in the fear state all the time, responding to fight, flight, or freeze, then 
The challenge is many of the other neural pathways may not be open. For instance, the prefrontal cortex, that's up in the front of the, of the head. Uh, some people, the penile gland is there and the, what's called the third eye. But the prefrontal cortex is where reasoning lives, empathy, compassion. It's where we learn, where, where we perceive associations between ideas. So it's not just enough to get information, again, that may take us to fight, flight, or freeze. But in the prefrontal cortex, we start to associate those ideas, connect them. We start to see patterns. And patterns help us to develop context and help us to see deeper in any situation. And again, it's not coincidental that empathy and compassion live in the prefrontal cortex. But when we're in a state of fear all the time, fight, flight, or freeze, or traumatize, we lose access to that prefrontal cortex. Because things kind of shut down in a self-protective mode because we're feeling a threat. And over time, we just lose total access to that part of the brain where reasoning and empathy is such a live. Many neuroscientists are saying now that there are many people who actually are not capable of empathy, not capable of seeing something from another's point of view, not capable of really understanding somebody else's plight because those neural pathways are blocked. And they're always in a state of reacting through the amygdala, reacting, fight, flight, or freeze, instead of responding through the prefrontal cortex. So that can create a lot of tension, a lot of stress, a lot of fear. Fear becomes the dominant uh, emotion, although it manifests many different ways, many, many different ways. One of the most common ways for it to manifest in our society is avoidance. We tend to avoid physically, uh, mentally, emotionally, things that um, challenge us, that may make us nervous or anxious or don't fit in the way I see things. Mm -hmm. So the, another manifestation is rigidity. We can become locked down in our thought patterns, in the way we see things, the way we perceive the world, and not open to other possibilities. Because at some level, being open requires a level of courage, requires some faith in order to move into the unknown. So when I am in a fear state, I'm only going with what I think I know, and I'm not allowing other things to come in. Hmm. So can I ask you a question about that, Doc? Please. Um, so in terms of the way that that shows up, because that just struck a chord with me when you spoke to the rigidity, mm -hmm. right? 
And so in terms of the way that it manifests or it may manifest itself in different people that we may come across, can it show up in a way where it um, it plays to a person that has a more controlling type of nature? So if you encounter someone that is very controlling, things have to be done a very specific way, their way, is it very possible that most times those people are operating from a place of fear? Yes. Okay. Yes. We have the illusion of control. Right. You know, and I say the illusion because the more we try to control things, the more out of control things feel. Right. Because whenever things aren't neat, predictable, the way I like it, then I start to feel anxious, more anxious like that. Actually, actually, my definition of mental health is about flexibility and adaptability, the ability to adapt to ever-changing environment. Mm-hmm. Things, change is constant. When I can be open, when I can be curious, when I can be engaging, then I'm accepting, I'm flowing with things. But when it's either my way or no way, you know, either it's uh, uh, I'm right and everybody else is wrong, mm-hmm. uh, that rigidity begins to cut us off, isolate us, and feeds that fear. So that can be another lesson or an added lesson to, um, if you look at a book like The Four Agreements, where mm-hmm. one of the agreements is to um, to never take anything personally, mm-hmm. right? So oftentimes when we encounter someone that is controlling mm-hmm. and we have to deal with this person, we can internalize it as being a reflection of their lack of trust in us. So we may start to question ourselves, like, why don't why doesn't this person just trust me? Why do they have to control everything? But it's not actually us in that instance. It's them operating from a state of their own fear. So it really has nothing to do with the individual that is receiving it. It's actually their own fear that they're operating out of, not necessarily a reflection of the other person. And if I start reacting to that other person, then that's about my fear. Right. That really doesn't have anything to do with them. Right. They're just an opportunity. And just the way life works, whatever it is that we need, whatever lesson we need to grow, is going to continually occur until we uh, get the message. Hmm? So maybe it's this person today you think that's so controlling and, 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 and uh, aggressive and, and uh, annoying with you, mm-hmm. but you change that relationship or move to somewhere else and somebody else takes that place. That issue keeps coming up until and unless we shift the way we function internally. And that's what I wanted to get to. And I hope I'm not veering you too far off of where, where you were going to go. Um, you you with, just jumped ahead in my I just jumped ahead. Okay. All right. So <laughs> no, that's cool. That's cool. Okay. Because that becomes the question, like, how do we, how do we change the way that, um, number one, I guess, how do we um, change, you know, the fact that we are internalizing other people's issues and, mm-hmm. you know, how, how do we um, kind of get to a place where we're not operating from this place of fear that allows that energy to affect us in that way. I'll give you a hint. We have to see the goodness in them. Okay. We have to see their intent. 
be forgiving so we don't get caught up in a distraction right but attend more to the real person not necessarily accept their behavior mm-hmm. but see the goodness in the person gotcha their nature gotcha okay All okay right. yeah. <laughs> um a- a- as a father you can it's, it's, it's like looking at children mm-hmm. and they're doing something that you are concerned about, you think is out of order. But you still love the child even though you may not accept the behavior or do something to even extinguish the behavior. Mm-hmm. Same thing with adults. Yeah, we're just children that grew up. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, we're every age we've ever been, and we're still that age inside too. We're every age we've ever been. Yes. I've never heard that before. Yeah. So so, That's so awesome. So there's a there's a five year old in yes. here too also. And and a six year old and an eighteen year old and uh, a twenty five. Doc, you can't drop that on me, you know I'm emotional. <laughs> 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 that one just hit me. We're every age we've ever been. Yes. Wow. <laughs> I'm gonna let you go on. Wow. Cause I could I, I could get stuck on that. Well one. Wow. I'll just say the the, the key is Again, to make peace with, mm. love, accept, and even say thank you to, mm. thank you to those younger versions of ourselves, even when they've done things that may have um, things that we didn't like, we don't like now, but they were trying to take care of us. They were trying to meet, meet our needs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at, you know, 15, maybe I'm aggressive and, and angry all the time, but I'm trying to protect me. Uh-huh. You know, As I mature, I find that rather than uh, allow that fear to guide how I protect me, I can do it out of love and more security. I like that. So I can become more skillful with it. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. So, so, so again, that, that, that takes, us to, takes me to these manifestations of, um, of fear. The, one of the most common ones is anger. It's anger. <laughs> you know, um, matter of fact, one of the things I, I, I think can work is, as an experiment is when we get angry, just ask ourselves, what am I really afraid of? Is this how other people may see me? Is this uh, somebody getting over on me or, um, you know, controlling me? What am I really angry about? I mean, what, what am I afraid of? What am I, what am I running from? Mm-hmm. And that awareness helps to dissipate the anger because I'm not focusing it out, but I'm looking for the lesson inside. I'm looking for the lesson inside. So... Anger is one of the most dominant ways that uh, fear manifests itself. An- another one is this, this obsession with being right. Uh, many of us would rather be right than happy, you know. <laughs> and uh, w- and that, that's, a, again, an effort to control, you know, um, to dominate. But we feel, we feel so fragile that we, are, we have to be right. And so we're we all we, we stay in a competitive mode. mode. We ha- we have to be dominant, you know. Um, you know, 
And I, I, I'll say it, you know, as a man, I know this can manifest in brothers mm-hmm. very easily, you know, mm-hmm. the hyper-masculine thing, be, be, because uh, for so long it's been socially unacceptable to, uh, to, to have gentle or tender, tender feelings in a lot of subcultures. So we push that down, but we get our feelings hurt real easily. And then we go to uh, anger, we go to violence, we go to aggression, because those are acceptable manifestations of our feelings in many communities. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, and, 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 and with that group too, I, I also put uh, dishonesty and negativity are, are, are common manifestations of fear. Yes, definitely dishonesty. Yeah. Yeah, definitely dishonesty. Yeah. Um, I'm reading a book right now that where a um, a woman was misled, I'll say that, was misled by her husband. And you can obviously tell, or you can tell that obviously fear was at the root of that dishonesty. Yes, he was scared to be forthright, yeah. to share with her where he really was, to, to present him, himself. Yes. You know, so he went to undercover. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, that's fairly common in our society. And the other piece is negativity. Negativity, being critical, shooting things down, you know, um, being oppositional, you know. It's, it's, it's a way of people are, are trying to protect their, their hearts mm-hmm. because they feel uh, vulnerable, mm-hmm. they're afraid, and so they build up these walls with all this negativity mm-hmm. in order to try to protect themselves. Yeah. 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 I'm trying to restrain myself right now because there are so many layers in this conversation that I can <laughs> jump into and it'll make this thing an hour and a half long, so I'm going to go ahead and let you go on. <laughs> okay. So um, I want to talk for a couple minutes about some of the types of fears, some of the types of fear. Because when you peel back the onion and look deep enough, most of us experience most of the different types of fear at one time or another. Again, it's just whether we muster the courage, the insight to actually um, do something about it or we let fear continue to control us. Mm-hmm. So one of the fears that's so common is fear of failure. Fear, fear of failure. All of us want to be successful. All of us have a need to be consistent with some purpose that is gratifying. Mm-hmm. I, I think about um, I think about school. You know, um, school for kids. You know. And so um, there's some kids who may excel um, academically. You know, they sit in the front of the class and they know all the answers, raising their hands and whatever. And, and other kids may not have that same learning style or, 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 or be attracted in the same way, but they want to be good at something. So maybe they sit in the back of the class and they're the class clown. Or maybe the class bully, or maybe the athlete, you know, or the lover, or even um, the drug dealer, or whatever. But everybody wants to be good at something because there's this, there's this 
fear of failure that is always whispering in our ear because there's a voice of doubt. There's a voice of doubt that each one of us has at some level to learn to deal with. There's a voice um, that's saying negative things. You can't do it. It's not going to work out. This is always challenging uh, our competence like that. And, and, and that's natural. That's just part of being on the planet. Again, the issue is what we do with it, whether we stay in our amygdala and just run, hide, be aggressive and avoid uh, to deal with it. Or we allow ourselves to feel those feelings and use that to shape um, some more appropriate responses, which we'll talk about in a minute. But you have to, <laughs> you got to understand how much you're dropping in this conversation right now. Mm -hmm. The fact that you said that everyone wants to be good at something. Yes. Do you know how many teachers would benefit from hearing that mm -hmm. put that way mm -hmm. if they haven't and keeping that in their mind in terms of how they deal with children? Mm -hmm. All of them want to be good at something. Yes. And even further, all of them are good at something. All of them are good at something. They all don't Hello. have the same learning style. I mean, our education system in the U.S. is basically <laughs> feeds one type of learning style. And as I said sometime, it, it prepares you to fit on the, uh, the assembly line of the gross national product to, to conform so you can get in the system and become a part mm -hmm. of what generates um, capital for those entities at the top. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it, it teaches you what to think rather than how to think. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't accept that um, we have different learning styles. When you, if you have enough resources to send your children to, to private schools, your classes get smaller, the learning is 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 different, you know, and um, and um, and and the different learning styles are accommodated different ways, mm -hmm. like that. You don't have to do it one way in order to do it, because sooner or later, if if you're only doing that one style, a lot of people are gonna start feeling bad about themselves. Mm -hmm. So if I can't do something that's socially acceptable, if I can't be good at something that's socially acceptable, I'm gonna be good at something. That, not socially acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. Because I had that need. Yeah. To be good at something. Wow. Oh, man. Wow. Hmm. I'm going to just let you go on. <laughs> wow. This is a lot. So fear of failure. Fear of failure is, is one of the major ones. Another one is fear of uncertainty. <laughs> this issue, you're not alone. It's just this issue of of knowing, we, some some of us are addicted to knowing, addicted to trying to control and being certain about stuff. Emphatic, you know. <laughs> um, my, my my wife used to say, um, we, many of us are um, addicted to comfort, uh -huh. you know. In order to really be open to learning, to growing, you have to be comfortable with discomfort. Mm -hmm. Because whenever you learn something new, 
try something new, go for intentional change or otherwise, you're going to have to go through a period of being uncomfortable, mm -hmm. of being uncertain. So you, you can't really grow out of your box that you're comfortable in unless you approach uncertainty, unless you approach discomfort. Yeah. 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 And that's interesting because for me, and sorry guys, I'm not trying to turn this into my therapy session, but, but I relate to that because um, for me, in most areas of my life, uncertainty doesn't bother me at all. I adapt, I adjust, I move with it, I go with it, cool. But there are specific areas where uncertainty gets beside me. It just, it, it, and it, and, and yeah, there's, there's a um, element of operating in fear because or operating out of fear because that uncertainty makes me so uncomfortable. Okay. The, the good news is mm -hmm. you are aware of what some of those areas are. Mm -hmm. So when you are aware, that gives you options of how to deal with them. Okay. Now think of how many of us are not aware of what triggers us, and we just go on automatic right. with the same old behaviors over and over again like that, yeah. that are dysfunctional and that leave us depleted and uh, short of reaching out our, our potential. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this 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 fear of uncertainty. The other fear, the other fear is the fear of inadequacy. Fear of inadequacy. I'm raising my hand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's normal because all of us have a question about our worth. On the planet, you know, we come here and we see all this stuff going on, and you know, I mean, I can, you know, throw a big front up, a big, a big ego up, like, but at at some level, deep, down deep, we all have questions about our worth, our value, hmm? and we do better when we accept those questions and deal with them uh, out front, throw some light on them rather than keep them in the closet. If you leave them in the closet in the dark, they're going to jerk you around. You know, they're going to come out at times when uh, it's uh, inconvenient. Mm -hmm. But if you accept it as say, okay, that is a normal uh, fear, if you will, and the issue is whether I address it or not, mm -hmm. how I address it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that so 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 that's the big three: fear of failure, fear of uncertainty. Fear of inadequacy. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, you, I mean, a lot of people add the fear of death to that. It's a more tangible uh, manifestation. Mm -hmm. um, and again, it, it, if I go back to the little poem, I say um, the fear of death to me is really a fear of life. You know, fear, fear of really living, manifesting your highest, extending yourself beyond your limits and um, making the effort to be the best you can be. Mm -hmm. so, so part of the issue with all this fear is um, so much in our society plays on us with all of this stuff. It plays on us. I mean, you cannot look at the news, local news or national news, but getting inundated with things that trigger fear responses. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, 
you watch the news often enough, it can be traumatizing. You know, you can experience what's called vicarious trauma. Because it's always, you know, it starts off, the local news starts off with the murders and accidents and what's out of order with here and there. The, the national news does the same thing on a, on, on a lar larger scale. And, in, and just by my way of seeing it, it all doesn't look to be just coincidental. Um, there, there are only six corporations that run the major news stations, and if you, if you notice, sometimes if you if you if you uh, toggle in between, they they go they cover the same stories and almost use the same language, you know, as if it's all coming from one place or another. Th that's to say, people are more easily controlled, at least on the surface, when you pimp their fear, when you play with th their fear. And, you know, we may call it, um, you know, security and we may, may call it rights or whatever, whatever. Um, but w what's really being pimped is people's insecurities, these natural uh, fears, you know. And it, and it comes out in advertising commercials all the time, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you don't use this product, something's going to be wrong with you. And or take, use it. Go talk to your doctor about this medication or mm -hmm. whatever. You know, it's you know, I mean, even impl implicit. If you don't, if you don't buy these expensive tennis, you know, you, yeah. you ain't going to be in. You know, I mean, it's it's these messages are given over and over in advertising to keep us um, coming back. Yeah. Will. Yeah. And they most and, and they um, most significantly do it to women and have been doing it to women for years by, you know, shifting beauty standards and, you know, telling them that they have to look like this in order to be appealing. So the magazine industry and the cosmetic industry is all geared towards making people feel like, you know, they're they're not meeting a standard. So they need all of this help and advice and all these products in order to reach that standard. Yeah. And, and how much. Um... Botox and surgery yes. and yes. everything being usually, usually, um, in some industry, that's just a part of the whole uh, being in that industry. But, but also finding that people who have high levels of anxiety tend to use more of uh, the, those uh, um, cosmetic interventions, mm -hmm. you know, use more and more of it, you know, because if you really feel in good about yourself, you don't need as much add-on. You're accepting yourself. But but when when you're not, it's never enough. Yeah. It's never enough. Um, I forget what it's called right often, but there, there are disorders. There is a disorder where people come back uh, all the time for surgery. Oh, like the, uh, body dysmorphia? Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, and many people think uh, Michael Jackson had that it's it's never enough. You always you always want more. You become addicted to it, mm -hmm. because that's that's one of the interesting things. Um, our addictions come come from our efforts to um, run from our fears, whether it's eating too much and gambling too much or um, drugs or whatever. It comes from 
running from our fears and the, the habit patterns that they create. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So, let me say, living based on security is living based in fear. Mm -hmm. the, the good news is there's an antidote for fear. The antidote is called faith. Fear is expecting things to go wrong and or that you can't handle something. Faith is expecting things to go well and having confidence that you can handle whatever happens. I, I, one of my heroes, when I think about this, is, is just Man, Mandela. You know, somebody throws you in jail for, for 27 years. You may not have a choice about where you're going to stay at. You're going to jail for 27 years. What you have a choice about is how you do it. You can get deeper in the fear and the anger and the resentment and all of that. And of course, what you focus on, you attract. Or you can go deeper inside and touch your faith that I'm in the right place. I'm in the belly of the whale and it's going to be okay. And that I can still manifest my highest self. I have a choice not about what happens to me, but about how I respond to things. I always have that. There's a, a piece in a, a, a book called um, As a Man Thinketh. And basically it says, watch your thoughts, for they become your words. Watch your words, for they become your actions. Watch your actions, for they become your habits. Watch your habits, for they become your character. And watch your character, for it becomes your destiny. Basically, it says, whatever you focus on, you draw closer to. So if you're focused on your fear, even unconsciously, you're going to attract many of the things that you fear because you are attending to them. When you focus on faith, then you're focusing on the good that you want to happen. You're focusing on a vision that includes possibilities, a vision that includes um, productivity manifesting your highest. Mm -hmm. So we have a choice. We can either, um, we can feed our faith and starve our fear or do it vice, vice versa. But on this planet, we get free will. You can do anything you want, but everything costs. Mm -hmm. no, nothing's free. So a so, couple of the keys to fearlessness. A couple of the keys. One is facing the fear mindfully. Fear is an emotion. Emotions are messengers. Mm -hmm. Fear does the most damage when we run from it. When we sit with it, when we allow ourselves to feel it, to get its message, when we become more aware of it, as I said earlier, we have more options. Mm -hmm. Then I can decide how, I, what, what I'm, lesson I'm supposed to get from this, and I can make an informed choice about how I respond to it. And you know what I'm saying? Respond and not react. Because react is back in, in the amygdala. I'm on automatic fight, flight, or freeze. Respond is in the prefrontal cortex where I'm using reasoning, empathy, 
uh, understanding patterns and relationships in order to make an informed decision, to make the best decision I can. The, the second is, um, again, seeing um, your underlying goodness. <laughs> seeing your underlying goodness. You know, um, other people are just mirrors of ourselves. Anything that you are attending to, giving attention to in somebody else, it's because it's sparking something in you that's related to that. So I say, well, I can't stand a liar and a thief. <laughs> because it reminds me of the part of me that lies and steals. Maybe not in the same way, maybe not to the same degree, but the same process, the same process. So again, when I can look at people and see their good intentions, when I can see the person who's trapped in the uh, addiction, maybe of being nasty or maybe of stealing or, or maybe of, of um, um, being hurtful to other people, when I can see the person that's trapped in it and have compassion and empathy for them, then that means I can be compassionate, empathetic, and forgiving for me. Because that other person is just a projection of me. Just a projection of me. Mm -hmm. The other one is um, embracing the joy of groundlessness. <laughs> yeah. When it's, you know, it, it's like accepting, accepting um, uncertainty and appreciating wonder. You know, we have this thing, particularly in this Western society, and say about knowing and being stable and secure and grounded. And we always trying to control stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we're, we're trying to master stuff instead of, instead of going with the flow. Mm -hmm. Going with the flow. Um, what's the song? I believe I can fly. <laughs> well, at least I, I believe I can float, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, again, that, that's a state of acceptance that, you know, whatever the universe gives me, I'm going to move with it. Because, you know, my perception from, th from this vantage point is just a, a moment in time. A moment in time. Uh, you know, you, you can talk about the last 2,000 years. That's just a drop in the bucket in the, the course of time in the universe. The physicists are even saying beyond this third dimension, uh, time is not real anyhow, mm -hmm. you know. So it's like, it's like learning to accept, to move with, learning to surrender. Learning to surrender to a higher reality. Call it life, God, nature, whatever. But learning to surrender, thy, thy, thy will be done. Mm -hmm. I'm not in charge of anything. I'm not in charge of anything. I do better when I submit to a higher order. <laughs> and sometimes it's as simple, you know, having worked with, with, with people in, in, in the penal system, often I run into uh, guys who say, um, something told me not to do that. And most of us have been through it. We've been through something. something to, it's learning to listen to that still, small voice within. That's part, that's part of that, um, um, that, 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 that floating, going with the flow, as opposed to having an attitude you know, this is where I am, you know, it's going to be this way or no way, you know. 
So when I'm open, when I have enough faith, when I have enough courage to be accepting, when I have enough confidence in myself to say, I can be all right no matter what, um, that takes us to a different place. I can remember um, a time in my life as a young person when I felt freest, freest. Uh, I was in the service in the Marines, and um, we had some difficulty. I was in the States. I wasn't in combat nowhere. <laughs> and we had some difficulty. Um, from my vantage point, I was saying I committed my body to them, and they wanted my mind. So we had some, some challenges like that. Um, and it, it got really life-threatening at points. Hmm? And it, But when I felt the freest was when I gave up my effort to, to live and just lived. My, I, I gave up my fear of death and trying to avoid that. And I said, this is what I'm doing. I'm standing here. I'm standing in my principles. I ain't messing with nobody. This is where I am. Um, and, you know, the blessings came after, after a while, and um, they let me out and wh whatever. But it changed my perspective on things. Uh, <laughs> came back and went to school. School had a whole different meaning, you know, the, 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 uh, Everything I was learning uh, went to a to a deep deeper level. So when we stop moving, motivated by our fear, you know, it opens up a world where we're much freer, freer to experience, free free freer to manifest, freer to even vision where and how we want to be. Mm -hmm. So here's a quote. It says, it's by a guy, Edmund Mabika. Try not to waste your entire stay on earth running from your fears. You were born to be victorious in all your endeavors. Start walking with faith and courage. God is with you and will forever be with you. Ashe? Ashe.